just thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you in this building today. I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want to take it for granted that I'm able to come into this place and come together with other believers and worship you. this morning. You ready to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end. Oh, my Lord, my Savior, my provider, my healer, my deliverer. He is. That's who he is.
Thank you, Father. There's no place like your presence. Because in his presence, there's peace. In his presence, there's no fear. There's no fear in his presence. The media, all the news, all the things going on around you brings fear. It's what the enemy wants. He wants to bring fear in your life. Because fear is paralyzing. It stops you in your tracks. The enemy knows if he can bring fear in your life and you are controlled by that fear. If your decisions that you make every day, small, big, whatever it is, those decisions are based off of fear and not based off of faith. Then you'll never follow in the path that God wants for you. You'll never step out the way God wants you to. You'll never do what God has planned for you. Because fear will paralyze you. But my God is bigger than fear. My God is bigger than fear. And I, I choose not to be afraid. I choose to walk by faith and not by sight. I choose to walk by faith. There's somebody in here today. You have to choose to walk by faith and not by fear, not by what you see. Make decisions based on what God says to do and not what the world says to do. Stand in his love. Stand in who he is. Ground yourself in his word and trust him to tell you what to do. tries to roll over my bones sorrow comes to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know and I won't be shaken and I won't be shaken I sing again when darkness tries to roll over my bones Sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know And I won't be shaken And I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your Chance when I stand in your love, my feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my feet doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. 
I thank you, Father, that I don't have to stand in fear. That you're a good God. That you provide everything I need. That you heal me when I need healing. That you deliver me when I need deliverance. You're a good God. And there is none like you. Amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, and I will see of the goodness of God. You, Lord, oh, your mercy never fails in all my days, and I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, and I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able And I will sing of the goodness of the goodness of God and I just I gotta say something the Holy Spirit you might be in here this morning and you're saying what goodness of God what goodness of God you say look around me and I, I see destruction and I see 
the enemy attacking and I see all this stuff going on. My finances are crumbling. Maybe my job has been lost. Maybe my maybe my business is going downhill. Maybe the, and you're looking around my kids. Maybe they're not serving God or maybe the, all these things. Maybe it's you that you're just looking around and saying, I, what goodness of God? I don't see any goodness of God. You're, you're breathing right now. You're in this place right now. If you're on the uh, internet and you're watching this right now, you still have life in you right now. Because see, the enemy wants to take you out. Because he knows that God has a plan for you and he has a purpose for you. And it's, it's to further his kingdom, not yours. It's to further God's kingdom, not yours. So Satan knows there is something in you that you might not recognize yourself. I don't know if it's somebody in here or somebody watching. You might not recognize what's in your life and your potential right now. But God knows it and Satan knows it. So he's trying to thwart any anything that God has for you. And he's trying to crumble your life around you so that you don't see the purpose in your life and you don't see what God has for you but let me tell you something the fact that you're still alive right now the fact that you're still breathing air means that God's not done with you and that Satan hasn't won because as long as you have breath in your lungs it's not over yet he hasn't won he hasn't destroyed you all you have to do is lift up your praise to God the Father the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords all you have to do is glorify his holy name and he'll take care of the fight that's around you all you have to do is keep your eyes on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he'll take care of the battle that's around you quit looking at the situation and start looking at the King of Kings the author of the situation the author of your life and then you'll see the goodness and you'll see the blessings and the things that we take for granted and you'll start singing the goodness of God my provider my healer my deliverer he's my king he is my deliverer he is everything he is my all in all and Satan will have to just he can throw everything your way but if you keep your eyes on him all those other things will just fall off of you he says put on the full armor of God we gird up our we, we put on the helmet of salvation we gird up our loins with the truth we take up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith oh we put on the breastplate of righteousness he says take up the the, the the full armor of God that you will just that everything Satan throws your way would bounce off the shield and that you have a sword to attack him when the opportunity comes amen so you let's sing this again we're gonna sing the goodness of God and you just start thinking about the things in your life that God has provided for you that God has done for you and the fact that you still have breath in your lungs amen life you have been Some God, the goodness of God is running after you. 
You might not recognize it. You not, might not see it because of the things around you. But the goodness of God is running after you. It's running after you. Just open your arms. Open your heart. Open your mind. Open your eyes and look for the Father. The good, good Father. give you some praise in this house this morning God's good amen amen, amen. he is faithful amen, amen. well guys we want to take a moment to honor some special people in the house this morning our 2020 graduates congratulations to you guys um and me and miss Hannah I'm sorry let me start by introducing myself for y'all that for those that don't know me I'm uh, my name is Nick Helton I'm the youth pastor here at Life Church quick plug Please follow us on Facebook. We have a Gap Youth, Gap Youth Facebook page. If you have any information you want to find about the youth, our links to our Zoom calls every week, please uh, private message me, and we'll get you that information. But right now, um, it's kind of a, I transitioned here um, just a few months ago as a new youth pastor, and I wanted to give someone an opportunity to honor these graduates the way they deserve to be honored. I haven't had the privilege to really get to sit down and talk to any of them. I know they're amazing students just from the, the, the little time that I've had with them. And I know their heart for God. But I wanted to give Pastor Tracy a moment to just come up and say whatever she feels on her heart. And uh, we want to give you guys a special gift. Like Pastor Jason was saying just a second ago, you know, the full armor of God. In order to have that full armor, you got to have the word, which is the sword. So we want to bless you guys with this, uh, with just a gift and a token of uh, appreciation and congratulations to you guys. 
Well, I have a unique opportunity this morning because um, although we've seen several students graduate here at Life Church that actually had the opportunity to pastor, this is the first group that I've pastored from the beginning. And I'm so, so proud of each and every one. This is not about me, it's about them, but it's special for me, you know, because of that. So I just wanted to share that this morning. I have watched this group that you, you see up here, I've watched them literally grow up um, from the, the youngest age. I mean, obviously one of them's mine, so from a baby, but the rest of them from, from preschool on up. And I started teaching them when they were four years old, became their children's pastor, and I've watched them go through life. The ups and the downs, there was lots of ups, there was lots of downs, but I've watched each and every one blossom into wonderful, godly young women and young men. I've seen them grow through adversity. I've seen them learn to use their gifts and talents for the Lord. Almost all of them at one time have been on our ministry team here at Life Church and got to see God use them ministering to young children. I've seen some of them on missions trips. Some of them, I've heard great stories about things they're doing in their school now and what they're doing and standing up for God. And we are just so proud of each one of you. And as Justin was speaking this morning and he was sharing those things, I couldn't help but think of you guys because God has prepared you each for this time. I've began telling you young people from the first day that I got to be your pastor that you were gonna be world changers. You know that, I've said that word many times over you, you are gonna be world changers. And so God created you at this time in history for a purpose, a big purpose. I don't know what it all is gonna entail, but I know that he said, you know what? The world is gonna be going through chaos and pandemic and everything else. And the world needs an Alyssa, the world needs an Andre and a Nevaeh and Alexis, Alexi. The world needs them at this time to make an impact for the kingdom of God. So I just challenge you as you go forth into this next chapter of your life, keep your eyes on him. Your eyes on him, and when you do, you will reach the full potential that God has for you. And not only will you be blessed, you will be world changers. I love you guys, I'm so proud of you. I think Pastor Nick wants to pray a blessing over you now. Real quick, I'm gonna call you guys' name up one by one if you come meet us in the front, and then I want the congregation, if you would, join us in stretching your hands as we pray for them. Um, first, uh, Miss Alexis Guillory. Nevaeh. You know, guys, like I said a while ago, I haven't really had a time to point to you guys. So it's my first graduating class also. And when I was praying about what to speak to you guys, all I've seen through each and every one of you guys when I prayed 
was trailblazers. Each one of you guys have something special for the kingdom. Don't ever let the enemy take that from you. And there's a special prayer reading in each one of your Bibles for me and Miss Hannah. Um, but I just want to pray a prayer. Um, so let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for each and every one of these students, Lord. Lord, you know their heart, God. Lord, you have prepared them, Father, for this day, Father, as they begin to take a step into this new chapter of life, Lord, college and the workforce, Lord. And Lord, I just want to speak, Lord, as the congregation uh, agrees with me, Lord, uh, just your favor, Lord, will shine upon them all the days of their life, God. Lord, that you will protect them in the midst of all the enemy's plots and schemes, Lord. Lord, that you guide their every step, Lord, that they never veer off your path, God, that they would stay on the straight and narrow, God. Lord, I pray that they would never be ashamed of you, Lord. I pray, God, that they would always know, Lord, that your loving arms are always wrapping around them, Lord. Even when they feel alone, they're never alone, God, because you said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we hold true to the promises, Lord, in your word, Father. Lord, that you're going to bless them, Father that you have plans for them, Lord, to not to harm them, Father. So, Lord, I pray that each and every one, as they take this next step into their, this new chapter of life, God, that your blessings will shine upon them, God, that your favor will follow them, Lord. Go before them, Jesus. Lord, your protection over them, God. And, Lord, that you always let them know, Father, no matter what they've done, Lord, no matter what they'll do, Father, that you'll always love them no matter what, Lord, that they can come to you, Father, with anything, Lord, any time at any moment and your arms are open father just ready to love on him jesus so lord as a personal prayer to them god i thank you lord even though i didn't have a moment uh, many moments to spend to speak into their lives and their hearts lord but god my heart is this generation lord lord and i have the opportunity and honor to be able to pray over these students lord there's no greater pleasure lord Lord, and I just pray again, Father, that you go before them in every aspect of their life, God. Lord, that there never be doubt that rises up, Lord. That they never have fear, Lord. And if they did, Father, they'd meet it knowing that if they have to jump, Lord, that you're there to catch them, Lord. Let them never put you in a box, God. Let them never stay in the boat, Lord. Let them always step out the boat, Lord. Let them be world changers, Father, God. I speak this blessing and this prayer over them, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
broken heart, the hurting child, my only hope. Well, let's sing that again. You gotta mean it. Nothing more that I could find to satisfy, to change my mind. Hold me close. Oh, hold me close. Defend the wrong, the widow mile, the broken heart, the hurting child, my only hope. My only hope. You said, walk out on the waves, for I am with you. And you said, you never change. Sing it! 
declare this day let your kingdom come your will be done in this place and in each and every one of our lives for God we assemble not for our well-being per se but we assemble because of you you said if we gather together in there, your name that there you come yes. and so God we give you this place that we give honor to you we invite you in right now and we say, Lord, let your kingdom reign. Let your purpose and plan be brought forth in our lives as well as the whole earth, Lord God. For you have already decreed the end before we even know the beginning of this day. And so, Father, we say, speak to our hearts and change our lives. Open us in our understanding that we might hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in this day and age in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. Appreciate the worship team for their talents and their abilities that they give to the Lord, but they're especially their heart for, for the Lord and leading God's people in worship. Uh, I want to make two very quick announcements regarding, um, as you know, the governor yesterday made several changes and announcements, and there's been some confusion because I've received several text messages. So let me just tell you that, as you know, to leave your house beginning midnight Monday, you will have to have a mask on. And that means coming into the church, you'll have to have a mask on, okay? Um, also, a lot of people are confused about the, the limit for 50 people. Houses of worship were exempt from that. We're not limited to 50 people. We are limited to 50% of capacity of our building, which means we could put very many more people in not only this room, but we have three other places that we can broadcast into. So just in case anybody's worried that only 50 people could show up, look, I know there's been churches through this whole thing. You actually have to go online and make a reservation to be able to get into their church. 
and they have people standing at the door clicking, you know, and all this kind of stuff. We're not going to do that. If somebody comes, they're coming in here. We'll go make a way for them to come in. But it's the, the limit of 50 is indoor, outdoor for, you know, the governor, but houses of worship are exempt, okay? So please do not go around telling people only 50 people can come. No, it's 50% of occupation of this facility, and at least that's what it is right now. I can't tell you what tomorrow will be or next week or whatever, but that's where we are, all right? So, so praise God, you can come, and we can still meet together, and look, you know, if it's a little difficult for some, well, it's, you can watch from home, but we'd rather, I'd rather see you here, and I hope that you'll come and be with us here. I want to get right into the word this morning. Again, thank you for your faithfulness and your giving through all of this. And our missionaries surely appreciate your giving and missions and everything else because, you know, they can't come home from where they are. Some of our missionaries had to leave the countries they're in and now they can't even get back into the countries where they were because borders are shut down. So anyway, praise God. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got a message this morning called who will raise the standard? And God began speaking to me this uh, three and a half weeks ago. And, and I've been waiting to share this with you. And so let me just get right into it without any further ado. How many of you remember the movie several years ago? I think it came out in around 2000, The Perfect Storm. Anybody remember that? It was based upon true events that happened back in 1991. Um, regarding a fishing, uh, a fishing boat. Uh, there was, it was a part of a, a nor'easter storm that gathered um, with the remnants of a hurricane that created the perfect storm. And a perfect storm is defined as that which is coming together uh, of events that drastically aggravate or make worse a situation. Uh, I don't know how many of you know or knew the late John Paul Jackson. Um, I was a fan, if I can put it that way. I loved his teachings. He was very down to earth and open. And in 2008, God gave him a vision of some things that were coming. In fact, he titled it The Perfect Storm. Uh, even, and and um, he talked about that even though what he saw coming over the coming years was basically from his viewpoint in the United States, he said they were gonna happen all over the world. And there were five basic categories that he talked about, war, politics, economics, religion, and geophysical issues. And one of the things that he talked about, and I'm not gonna go all back into it, you can actually go, um, go online and find it. Uh, but he talked about the fact that he said in some places we'll these five storms, they're gonna to come together, but in some places, uh, for example, war may be more of the major part of the storm than in other places, where in some places it may be economics or religion or politics or whatever, but they're gonna to come together, and so you'll see varying degrees of these things blended together that will create a perfect storm. And it is in times like these that are filled with great uncertainty. And, and the only answer that we, you and I are going to find is right here in this book. I'm telling you, it's in this book. And so I want to convey to you this morning the seriousness of the hour in which we are living. 
And yet, at the same time, listen to me, at the same time, I want to tell you that there is a purpose for all that is happening and that you have a part in that purpose. Okay? So I'm not going to sit here and be a doom and gloom preacher and then walk, let you walk out of here going, I don't know what to do. You know, I want you to understand something. These things do not happen by chance. They are ordained and organized. God allows them and God does everything with purpose. And he, he allows things to be orderly. Okay. Uh, on Wednesday morning during prayer, back on June 17th, the Holy Spirit took me back and reminded me um, of the vision he had given me weeks before about the house that was destroyed from the storm on the beach. And I, and I preached a message on that. If you, how many of you remember? Anybody remember? Okay. Um, if you don't remember it, I'll just briefly tell you what happened. You, you can go online and, and watch the video. But as I was praying, all of a sudden, I was taken to like the shoreline uh, and, and I'm not talking about like down in the Gulf, you know, that kind of thing. It was more like the, an ocean, like the, I grew up in the Northeast and, and actually lived on near Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. And a lot of those, the shoreline, there's beach area, but a lot of it is just rocks. And I saw a house that had been built right next to those rocks and it had been completely destroyed except for like one two by four and another one that was leaning against it. And the, the foundation was completely swept clean. And the Lord showed me that it was, it was destroyed from the storms and, that, and, and in it I saw a wave coming and I thought I needed to rebuild the house but God said, no, you need to understand what's going on first. So anyway, that's what it was about. Uh, and I preached about it, but he, this, on June 17th, he took me back to that, and he, he said, do you remember what I showed you? And I said, yes, Lord, and he said, do you realize that it took more than a single wave to bring this house down? In other words, what he was trying to tell me was that at that time, I, I thought this virus, pandemic, lockdown, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, that was the wave that destroyed this house because the house was, the Lord said, was the modern day church structure and that it was not biblical and it was not on a foundation that could withstand the storms that were coming. And so I related it at the time thinking it was talking about the virus kind of thing. And that's before we started meeting back together again because God said there's a wave of his glory coming that this house could, that house could not hold. So he wanted his house, the church, to be rebuilt in such a fashion that it could handle the glory of God, the promise of God's glory that is coming upon the face of the earth. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth even as the waters cover the sea. So he, I saw that as him remaking it. And so that morning... In prayer on June 17th, he said, you must understand that it took the beating of more than one wave to take this house down. It was the constant wave action, the storm beating and beating. And we've all seen videos of houses. I've seen several like uh, on the Carolina coast on the Outer Banks where the waves started hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. And finally, the, the foundation goes out and the structure crumbles. 
And he reminded me, he said, it took more than one wave. And he began to speak to me and say that there are multiple waves coming. And, and, and he began to speak to me about some things that were coming. I'm going to kind of relay to him, but I'm not going to tell you personally what I've written down that the, I believe God has shown me that is coming. But you're, you're seeing it play out already. First of all, John Paul Jackson said you're going to see issues of war, politics, economics, religion, and geophysical issues. Okay? We're beginning, we are seeing these things that are happening around the world. Everything from locusts invading different nations and, and war tensions that are rising. We see economic issues that are there. We're seeing attacks upon religion all over the world. You just name it. We're in, in politics. Hello, we're seeing the worst of the worst. And the Holy Spirit says, get ready because the waves are building and they're going to get worse. And so he began to speak to me and he, and he said, turn to Mark chapter four. Well, I didn't know exactly what was in Mark chapter four. So I began reading through the whole chapter. And when I got to verse 35, here's what it says. And it says, that same day when evening came, he said to them, let us go cross to the other side. And when they had sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat just as he was. And there were also other little boats with him. And it says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves, multiple, splashed into the boat so that it was now filling the boat. And he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there came and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful and how is it that you have no faith? And he began to impress upon me that morning as I was sitting there. And, and again, I, I've gotten to where I write everything down because I will not remember it when I walk out of this building. When the Holy Spirit speaks, drop everything and begin to write down what you think he is speaking to you so that you can go pray over it and study it out and see if it lines up with God's word and what he is saying, because sometimes he'll, he just shows us the initial thing and then there's something deeper behind it. And so he began to show me, and the first thing was that Jesus told them to get in the boat and to cross over to the other side. Here's the point. Jesus knew there was a storm coming, okay? And just as right now, Jesus knows what's happening and he knows what's going to happen in the future. I can take comfort in that, that even Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows, look, I don't even know what I'm eating for lunch today, okay? Jesus knows. <laughs> he, he knows what plans are going to happen. He, he knows what's going to happen. I mean, yesterday I woke up with a flat tire. I didn't know that was going to happen. Jesus knew that was going to happen. Put it that he parked me right next to somebody who had a pump. Jesus knew, okay? So Jesus knew this. And you would think Jesus would go, well, I'm concerned about it, boys. There's a storm going to be coming. Let's wait until the storm passes. But no, Jesus sent them out into the storm. The second thing is there were also other smaller boats with him. Now, I have to be honest. 
I don't know when God slipped that in this passage because I have never read that before. I have read in the other gospel story how they got into the boat and they crossed over, the storm came up and they're working their way, but I have never read and there were also other smaller boats with him, with him. And, 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 um, and so I read that and I went, when did you put that in there? And it was like, and so I said, so what's the meaning of that? And the Holy Spirit showed me about a week later. He said, I put that, I want you to understand that there are other people in this storm and they don't have Jesus in their boat. The disciples had Jesus in the boat and they were fearful. I can't even imagine with the other smaller boats. And look, we ain't talking about big fishing boats. You know, we ain't talking about hundred something foot trawlers or something like that. The, 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 Jesus and the disciples were in one of their boats, okay? There were smaller boats. And if they were scared in their boat, imagine the others that were caught in the same storm. I've never seen this. And Jesus said that because there are people in this storm right now and they don't have me in their boat. They have no clue what's happening. They have no clue about the hope for the future. All they hear is fear and dread. They're caught in the midst of a raging storm and the world is without a hint of where to look for answers. And he said, do you know why? And I felt like the prophets in the Old Testament said, Lord, you know. <laughs> the Lord, you tell me, right? And uh, the Holy Spirit said, because the church in America as a whole has failed its mission. He made it clear before he left the earth in Matthew 28, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He said, this storm is happening because the church, the body of Christ has abandoned its purpose and is no longer the backbone of this nation. And from our inception, the United States has, has been built upon a Christian faith and has been the plumb line of decisions that have been made at all levels. The Christian founding of this nation was what makes it different from every other nation in the world other than perhaps Israel. Because this nation was founded by those who came with biblical purpose to establish a place where they can worship God freely. That was its purpose. And look where we are today. Other nations may have become Christian in their focus, but we were initially formed with Christianity as the core of its DNA. And we lost our influence when we deviated from the commission of God to go into all the world. The third thing the Holy Spirit showed me is that the disciples waited until the last moment to turn to Jesus. What do I mean? Most of these guys were fishermen. They've been in storms before. They, they've, they've, 
They, they know what it's like to have a gale come up and the wind begin to blow when they're out fishing. That, this is not strange to them. But however, something about this storm caused them to realize that they were not only on the verge of capsizing, they were on the verge of dying. Something was different about this storm. Something was different, but they waited. And it says the waves were buffering, the, the buffeting the ship and the waves were filling the ship and it was just hitting one after another. And all the while, Jesus is in the back. But they, I can hear them guys, don't wake them up. We got this thing under control. We've been through this before. Come on. Now, a couple of them guys weren't fishermen and they were probably thinking, are you sure you've got this under control? Yeah, man, we got this under control. I know how people are. They waited to the last minute. And it's in the same way today that only now some Christians across the nation of America are beginning to wake up and realize that what is taking place and, and is on the horizon is bigger than anything they have ever seen before. Because see, for too long, the church has been relying upon its own strength and trusting in its own abilities and hoping that somehow they can navigate the current storm and only now they're beginning to understand and call out to God. The fourth thing the Holy Spirit showed me was that the storm revealed their lack of faith. The storm revealed their lack of faith. And I thought two areas. One was that their lack of faith in him. They've been living with him a while. They've been traveling with him a while. They've seen things that he's been doing, things that he's been teaching and li listening to him. And yet they did not realize the depth of his love for them, his care for them. Because they said, Lord, do you not care that we're going to die? They didn't know him that well. The second area was their faith in his authority. They, they, they lacked faith in his authority. They knew he could do some stuff, but they didn't really know what authority he possessed because they didn't know who he really was. And the scripture tells us in Mark 4 and 40, he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He didn't, he didn't say you don't have a little faith. He said no faith. And what he was saying was, how is it you have no faith in who I am and what I can do? And as I was reading that, it was like the Holy Spirit began speaking to me. And, and, and in fact, literally, as I read that, he said, how is it you're so fearful and you have no faith in me? Do you not trust me enough? Do you not know me enough? <clears throat> and I tell you, I began to weep. Because listen, we're, we're living in a time right now where it's easy to get fearful. It's easy to get sidetracked and lose your focus and lose your faith. And suddenly, all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit come upon me with a word of prophecy and, and I wrote it down and I'm gonna put it on the screen so that you can see it. This is what he said on June 17, 2020, about 5.30 in the morning as I was here in the church praying. He said, there are storms coming and are already upon you. 
Have I not said I will shake heaven and earth? The kingdom of darkness is being shaken, resulting in storms being loosed on the earth. Can you not see this? He went on and said, it is important to understand the times in which you are living. It is critical that you understand that you are here for just such a time. He said, awaken yourself, shake off the spirit of slumber. The anointing is on you and in you to speak and take action against the storms. Now listen, this is not a word just to me. This is a message to the church. He said, awaken yourself, shake off the spirit of slumber. The anointing is on you to speak and take action against the storm. But he went on. He said, you will not fall, nor will you fail if you stand on my word and stand strong in me. For no weapon formed against you shall prosper if, if, you follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. He has come to you for such times. Did I not say he will guide you and direct you into all truth concerning me? Did I not tell you that they will deliver you up for my name's sake, but not to fear? For in that hour, I will give you the words to speak. Those words will be filled with authority. They will be anointed words and carry with it judgment. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Can you say amen? And so the Holy Spirit began to speak. He said, let me give you some quick reasons why this, this storm and storms are coming. And the first one is that the church of Jesus Christ was birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not the church did not come about because a bunch of guys got together and said, you know, we should, since Jesus is gone, we ought to organize something and put something together so we can meet and sing songs and feel good about what Jesus told us. No, they were in the upper room waiting for the promise of the Father and it came on the day of Pentecost and when it came, it was birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was birthed for a purpose, to make known God's manifold wisdom to the world. And what is that manifold wisdom? That God so loved the world, <laughs> that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's wisdom is, you're lost, you need a savior, I love you enough, I'm gonna send my son for you. He will pay the greatest price, and you will live forever if you believe in him. That's the purpose of the church. We've, we flipped it around and think that the church is here to entertain us. The church is here to, to make us feel better. Look at your neighbor across the aisle. Look right now. Just look around. Look around. You are the church. This building is not the church. This is the facility where the church meets. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I wish I had time just to break down that whole verse word by word, what it, 
what it really is saying there. But when he talks about to do good works, he talks about that there are things that God has destined for you. You were born and reborn by the Spirit of God with a destiny. You need to understand that. Instead of looking at all the peripheral stuff and being frightened by it, you need to tell yourself every day, I was born for such a time. I have a mandate from heaven on my life. I will perform. I will carry that out. Because he has prepared good works. He has prepared that which I must do. We need to get away from this mindset of how do we get through this? How do we hang on till Jesus comes? No, we're not hanging on. We're here for such a time as this. But let me tell you something, and this is what he spoke to my heart. He said, this demonstration of the manifold wisdom of God is not accomplished by speaking, but through righteous living. And this is where the church has faltered. This is where we have faltered. And the church in America today as a whole doesn't think that God cares how we live our lives. We have lost sight of that. How we live opens or closes doors for Satan to legally afflict us and even rule over us by way of leaders who do not know the ways of God. Now hear me when I say this. This is important. Because and then if, if I find now somebody even accuses me of saying this is political, I'm just telling you, this nation is, is at a precipice. And the stuff that's happening in our nation right now has an agenda behind it. And if you look at the alternatives of what the future holds, I'm telling you, leaders who do not know God, you think it's bad now? That's all I'm going to say. We are living in the days of Ezekiel and Jeremiah who prophesied that God can bring disaster on a nation if that nation continually chooses to walk according to its own plans. I could give you dozens of scriptures, but how about Jeremiah 18, 11 says, now therefore speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord, look, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Repent now, everyone, say everyone. You don't say a few of you. It doesn't say get the church leaders together. It doesn't say form a repentance committee. He says repent now everyone from his or her evil way and make your ways and your deeds good. What did we just read in Ephesians? That we are purposed to do good works that God has already designed for us. And here's Jeremiah through the, the, the mouth of God to the prophet Jeremiah saying, I am shaping a disaster against you. I am devising a plan against you. 
The only way is if you repent. I've been harping on this for months now that God says, when I shut up the heavens, when I send locusts upon the earth, when I release a plague, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Here's the problem. We, we look at our life and say, I'm not wicked, but we're, we're using a standard that's not God's word. We're using a standard that's held by the world. And that's a pharisaical position. The Pharisee says, thank God I'm not like him. Well, you're probably thinking by now, well, you know what Jeremiah prophesied that, said that in verse 11, look what happens in verse 12. The people's response was, we will walk after our own plans and each of us will do according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Imagine the prophet declaring what God says. I am shaping a disaster against you. I am designing a plan against you unless you repent. And the people go. Nah. We're not going to do it. So you're probably thinking, well, pastor, I thought you said you were going to encourage us. Well, I've told you the reason and the purpose that this is all taking place. And what is God calling his church to do? I'm going to give you four specific things. And the first one is that the church must return to knowing God and his ways rather than just knowing about God. You've got to know God. Not what you've been told, what you know. Knowing God comes from experiencing God. It's your walk with God, your time with God. We, for too long, when I say we, the church, the body of Christ in America especially, we have replaced power with programs, revelations with administrations, and the Father's heart with organizational skills. Those things will not prepare you, nor will they propel you to do the things that God is calling his church to do. The second thing, is the church must learn how to contend for the faith again. He brought me back to the scripture. Jeremiah 12 and 5 says, if you have raced with the men on foot and they have tired you out, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, then how can you compete with horses? And if you take flight in a land of peace where you feel secure, then what will you do in the swelling of the flooding of the Jordan? In the message translation, it says, and if you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan River flooding? I like that. I'm serious. I mean, we got Christians wringing their hands. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm thinking, son, son you ain't seen nothing yet. 
<clears throat> you, you better find an anchor for your soul and for your life. You better be getting into the word because what God is saying is that the present time has been a time of calm compared to what's coming. And if we're complaining about today, what are we going to do when trouble really comes? I'm telling you, some people know how to make mountains out of molehills. Or anthills, whatever you might say around here. When I was growing up, it was a mountain out of molehills. Most people go, what's a mole? Okay, anthills. Everybody knows what ants are. Right? We, we can look at something that is so small compared to the plan of God, and we can blow that thing up so big, and it becomes the main issue. And it blocks our vision, and we can't see because of it. And that's when you've got to step back. You know, that whole thing, you can't see the forest for the trees. You can't, you've got to step back and realize that ain't no mountain. That's an anthill. This ain't no problem for God. This is no big deal in my life. When I was a kid, I'd take my magnifying glass and go look for anthills. And I'd get the sun. I'm going to burn them babies up. I know somebody thought, well, you're so cruel. I was a little boy. I still don't like ants. I just spray them now. Put poison on them. You do too. You know that. But here's the thing. Most professing Christians are weak and fall away so easily even when a crisis isn't even at hand. Oh, God doesn't love me. Why? What happened? Well, my sister called me on the phone and she criticized me for something. Really? So you lost your faith over that? I'm, I'm serious. I know Christians who find, they, they look for the smallest, pettiest little thing, blow it up in such proportion, and then go, you know, if that's the way they're going to be, I'm walking away from that church. Well, good luck out there on your own. Because there's not a church in this city. There's not a church in this state. There's not a church in this world where people are gathered in the name of Jesus that's perfect. If there was, then Jesus died in vain. We all have our flaws. I got plenty. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. She's right there. Just get you a Gatorade and sit down for a while. You might want to get lunch ordered. I'm, I'm being serious. 
Most Christians in America have yet to be tested and they've already lost their resolve if they had any at all. We understand very little about the adversary and his plans. We do not know how to debate our faith without becoming angry. And when we become angry, then we have few strong, clear, godly voices in political arenas. Listen, we need, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, of all the junk that's out there, I've heard some voices just recently in the last few weeks of people I've never heard of before who with a clear voice are speaking righteousness. They, they, have, they have no platform, they have no position, but God's putting them in places that have influence with other people. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's amazing how God, if God, God can find anyone who will say, God, here I am, use me. Here I am, use me. But the problem with most Christians is we get so angry when we're in a conflict or a debate about scripture or, or scriptural positions. And then, and then you see these people online, you know, on, on the left who are screaming and yelling with their bullhorn. Then you see the other people on the far, far right and they're just standing there with their signs going, you're damned to going to hell. You're damned to going to hell. Listen, that's, that's not gonna, it, if, if your heart is angry, your words don't even have to be angry. Do you hear what I'm saying? If your heart is angry, and it's hard not to get angry sometimes. I want to say, God, is this a holy anger? Ooh, oh, holy anger. Let me at him, Jesus. And I hear the Holy Spirit going, calm down, boy. You're going to do more damage than good. See, if we can learn to control our words, that's why Jesus said, give no thought when they bring you up in the courts, when they bring you before the magistrates and judges. Give no thought, because here's what you do. You give thought to it, boy, anger just kind of boils. And you're just waiting for them to say, you got anything to say? Well, oh, baby, I've been waiting to say this. No. You go in there with prayed up. Holy Ghost, guard my tongue. I pray that every time I get in this pulpit, Lord, please guard my heart, guard my tongue, guard my mind, let it be in sync with you. Keep Bob, keep his voice out of it. Here's the problem. We've lost clear godly voices in the political arena because we've just gotten angry. And the angrier the one side gets, the angrier we get. And the people who are lost, they, they have no clue. What they need is a sure word, a clear word. And we've lost our witness. The church has lost its witness that convicts others and strongly testifies to them that God is still God in a very, very real way. We've lost our witness that demonstrates that God is a personal God in an impersonal world. We've lost our witness that says, what I do proves God exists. Paul said, as I do, you do also. 
Third thing, the Holy Spirit said, the church must return to the love of God's word and the belief that it is infallible and inerrant. I've got both those words in there. If you don't know what they mean, you can go look them up, but I'm just gonna summarize it for you. We must get back to the place where the Bible, we believe, is without error or fault in all of its teachings. As, as the old country preacher I heard one time say, he said, I believe in this whole book from the table of contents to maps. He said, at first I thought, that's crazy. <laughs> but then I thought, it is part of the book. We say we believe the whole thing. Well, if that book says John is on page 900 and something, I believe that because John's on page 900 and something. And the maps, well, that's where Jesus walked. That's the land of Israel. That's the land of Palestine. That's the land. I believe it all. The problem is we, 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 to say we believe this includes the conviction, the understanding, and the knowledge that God is absolute and there is only one way to know him and that's through Jesus Christ. We have too many people professing to be Christians who will tell you, well, if you're good enough or you're just good, then God will let you live with him. Jesus said, I am the door I am the gate. I am the only way. No one comes to the Father but by me. And Jesus isn't schizophrenic. There ain't 10 of him. And they're under different religion titles. He is one God, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, one faith, one church. We need a new revelation that God's power is unlimited, God's knowledge is unending, God's presence is with us always, and that God never changes. Like, we have made God far too small, and our lives prove it. You, you, I'm just gonna challenge you this week, every day, several times a day, go find the scripture reference, this is, is anything too hard for the Lord? And then answer the question. There is nothing too hard for my God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? When something comes up you didn't expect, a bill that you didn't have money for, you say, is anything too hard for the Lord? God has a way of providing. Something bad happens. Is anything too hard for God? Because God says, all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things. Is anything too hard for God that he can't take what's happening right now and turn this thing around? You say, well, Pastor, you sound mad. I'm not mad. I'm fired up. Fourth thing, last thing here. Because I said there's four things the church needs to do. So this is the last thing the church needs to do, Right? We need to declare sacred and solemn assemblies of repentance and corporate fasting in the part in, in, in the nation, all across the nation. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit showed me 
And I'm about to close this thing, but show you how he showed me. Because I've told you, God shows me things in pictures and, 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 and things because I, that's just the way he speaks to my heart. Like he shows me things, the depth of revelation that he wants. And God is saying that we need to declare sacred and solemn assemblies of repentance. Listen to me. I'm not talking about sacred and solemn worships conferences. L listen, I love worship. And, and, and many of you don't know, but I, I've led worship since I was a teenager. I've got my guitar in my office. I got some at the house. And I haven't played up here in a few years with all this talent I don't need to play. But I tell you what, I love worship. And I love to sing and I love to worship God. I love to experience God. But what God is saying right now that we need to set aside times for rendering our hearts before the Lord. If you don't know what render means, it means in the biblical sense, it means to tear apart. It means to rip. Remember when Jesus, they asked him, are you the son of God? And he said, you said that I am. And it says, and the priests rendered their garments. They ripped open their garments in that moment because it was blasphemy according to them. Well, that Sunday, that Wednesday morning, no, this past Wednesday morning, this past Wednesday, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, Joel chapter two, verses 12 through 17. He said, now, therefore, say now. Now is when? Now is now. Now is now. Now, therefore. When you see therefore, you ask what it's there for. He's saying therefore, now. Can I flip that around? Therefore, now. He said, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a secret assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out of his chamber. Let the bride from her dressing room, let the priest and the minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Look, I don't know about you, but he didn't leave nobody out. Nursing babes to people getting married. The priest and everybody that's entrusted in, in, in that, all that part. He said, it's time to worship. The, it's, they didn't say it's time to worship. He said, it's time to render your hearts. It's time to consecrate a fast. It's time to pray and pray and pray and pray. Let me show you one other thing he showed me and then I'm gonna close. There was one thought that he gave me that, that first Wednesday morning when I read that scripture in Mark chapter four. Holy Spirit spoke this to me and he said, understand something else. The storm came against the anointing. Jesus was in the boat. The storm didn't come up because of all the other boats on the water. The storm came up because Jesus was in the boat. 
Do you understand that the enemy is the prince and the power of the air? He has the ability to cause dysfunctional things to happen in the, in the geopolitical arenas and the geophysical arenas. And, and, and all through scripture we could see where Satan tried to kill the seed, Jesus, the Messiah, before he could get to the cross. And that storm came up because of the one who was in the boat, the anointed one, the, the Christ. That's what Christ means, the anointed one. And the Holy Spirit said, listen, there is a storm impacting the world because the church has compromised and failed in its mission. But there is a storm coming that is headed for the righteous ones that hear the voice of the Spirit in this day and answer the call. Can I repeat that? He said there is a storm coming after the righteous ones that hear the voice of the Spirit in this day and answer the call. I believe that God is speaking to many people, whether it's in church facilities, pastors who have repented and are calling upon God, or whether it's by way of the internet or messages that are being forwarded. But God is saying there's a storm coming that's different than all the other storms, and this one's headed for the righteous ones. This is the ones who hear the call and answer the call. And then he reminded me of Zechariah 4 and 6, where it says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Understand, when the storm comes against you, what did Jesus do? He stood up and he rebuked the waves and he rebuked the wind and it went away. When a storm comes against you for taking the stand of righteousness and speaking the truth in love and a storm brews, you know what you need to do? You need to stand up with the anointing that's on your life and you need to say, peace, be still. You say, well, what if it doesn't? Listen to what you just said. Get in the word. Get off social media. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Quit listening to every person that's got a word here or there and get a word from God that you can stand on. Because when the storm comes, ain't nobody else gonna stand up for you. You speak to the storm. So this is, the, this is the illustration the Holy Spirit gave me because this is how I came up with the title, Who Will Raise Up a Standard? Again, this is the way he showed it to me. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Take it up with him. Unless you're one of those petty people who pick up anything and get upset about it, then go tell somebody else because I'm not going to listen. I'm at a point in my life I'm not going to listen. <laughs> Look, when the Holy Spirit says something to me, I'm telling you, I'm not without, listen, don't say I'm being cocky and arrogant and I can't be corrected because I can. But I know what he was saying. But this past Wednesday morning in prayer, I was walking all through those rows right there. 
I didn't come up here my normal. I had to walk back there, oh, up and down, every row, every row, every row, touched every seat, prayed for whoever would be sitting in those seats, all in that section right there. See, y'all missed it. You should have been sitting over there. <laughs> but I was, as I was praying, the Holy Spirit brought back to remembrance a scene from a movie called The Patriot. How many of you know which one I'm talking about? With Mel Gibson, American Revolutionary War. I just got done watching a whole miniseries on George Washington. It was phenomenal how God used and worked through that man. And now we have people who don't know anything about our history or anything and want to destroy everything about our forefathers. And Facebook will probably cut us off for saying that, but I don't care. But it's a scene in the end of the movie and um, where the colonial militia is running away. And uh, the British commander, Cornwallis, thinks he's finally, he says, this is the push. This is the final push. We're going to end this war here and now. And as the militia is running over the hill and the troops are going, the the general says, send them all. Send everything you got. This is where we make our stand. This is where we crush the rebellion. Well, he was right, but in the wrong way. But there's a scene there where the militia is running. I mean, they've run. It's planned for them to run because when the British come over the hill, the colonial regular army is waiting for them. So then they make the charge, okay? And it looks like they've got it won, but then here comes the rest of the British army because the, the general has sent everything he's got and the militia start to turn and run. And I'll let the film clip show you the rest.
Mel Gibson picks up the standard, the flag, and he reminds them, no retreat, press forward, press forward. See, the church has been in retreat, cowering from the onslaught against coming, that's been coming against our nation. But God has said in Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Listen, my friends, that standard is God's word. That standard is God's decree. And that standard is God's church, his people. It is time to raise the standard on a daily basis. In World War II, there is that moment in history known as D-Day. And when the, the, the troops of, of the Allied armies started to hit the beach, and if you've ever read any of the documentaries or anything else about it, you realize that those first waves of soldiers were slaughtered on the beach. There was, it looks like they've walked into a, the worst case scenario, but something the Holy Spirit reminded me. He said, it, it looked like it was over. It looked like it would end. It looked like the grave of all these bad soldiers dying, but eventually they reached the shore and enough of them eventually got there that they made the breakthrough, the turn, the tide of the war. And the Holy Spirit said, son, understand, it wasn't one for the first push. It wasn't one with the second push. It was load after load after load after load after load of soldiers facing the onslaught. It was the continual pushing that brought the breakthrough on the beachheads of Normandy. And he said the church needs to realize it's the pushing, it's the continual pushback of the darkness. We, de we tend to think that one service, one prayer, one declaration, one fast is going to do it. Listen, war is a series of battles. It's not, we need to understand, it's a series of battles. I forgot who it was just recently, I think, I think oh, it was Grant. General Grant to the Union Army. He said, what is your philosophy? of war, he said, you fight till you win. When you won, it's over. But instead, until then you push, and you push, and you push, and you push. And we need to realize it's the continual push against the enemy's strongholds that turns the tides and brings about the ultimate outcome. God told through the prophet Haggai, he told Zerubbabel the governor, he told Joshua the high priest, and he told all the people of the land, it was time to work. The church has relied too long on one or two of the people of God to do the work that God has told the church to do. It's John 9, 4 says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Nighttime is coming when no man can work. And I can tell you now that God is asking in our land, who is it that is willing to take up the standard? Who will raise the standard in this day? Who will say, pastor, count me in. God, here I am. I can be used. 
I will be used. I will speak forth the truth. I will not cower. I will recognize that this is the moment. This is the day. This is the place. God has ordained for me to be alive today. And in this moment, instead of despair, instead of defeat, I am going to stand determined. And I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to lift my voice. And I'm going to speak out. I will not cower out of fear of man. I will instead tremble in the fear of the Lord if I don't speak out. Who of you will pick up that standard like we saw in the film? Who will be willing to run against the tide? Who will run against the current? Run run towards the call of battle. Run towards the call of battle. And if that's what God's looking for, he's looking for a church, a people, individuals who will say, here I am, here I am, here I am. Run to the battle, run to the battle, run to the battle. Come on, come on church. If that's you and you're ready to answer that call, then let's pray. Let's declare it, let's pray. You say, what can a handful do? Oh, what does the scripture say? If one, if one can chase what? Two can chase what? That's an exponential. In the natural, one chase a thousand, two chase two thousand. But in the spirit, one chase a thousand, two chase ten thousand, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. Wherever two or three are gathered, there he is. There's power in agreement. The enemy's trying to divide the body of Christ. He's trying to divide us in any way he can. We've got to see it for what it is. It's a battle for the soul of our nation. It's a battle for the souls of our churches. It's a battle for the soul of the family. It's a battle, it's a battle, it's a battle. But I can tell you who is the victor. I said I can tell you who is the victor. says in him we have overcome have overcome Lord we pick up the standard this morning I almost brought the flag the Christian flag out here just to wave that thing I don't have it pretend like you've got it there's a Christian flag we got one somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but we got one. I know it's in the closet or in the hall or someplace. But just imagine you've got it right now. Lord, I'm picking up the flag for the church. I'm picking up the Christian flag. Lord, the church has been on retreat too long. We've been pulling back, running away from the smallest skirmishes because we believe more in the power of the storm than the one who created everything by his word. Father, in this day and in this moment and in this hour, we take a stand. We stand. The Bible says, and having done all to stand, stand. That means there's going to be a skirmish. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a war. And it may come at night. It may come during the day. It may be several days, several weeks, even months. 
Most people don't realize that the Revolutionary War didn't end with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. There were many years still. It started two years before that and it ended like seven years after that. And everybody wanted to quit. Even the U.S. Congress wanted to quit. They wanted to get rid of George Washington. But George Washington said, how can I walk away at a time such as this when my country needs me the most? I didn't fight all the battles I fought just to quit now. Just think about it. How many of you have been through some battles in your life? How many of you have been through some battles, some knockdown skirmishes with the devil? How many of you? Come on now. How many of you went through it? Is it, are you going to quit now? No. No, if anything, that proves he saw you through that storm. He saw you through that skirmish, that war, that battle. There may be more to come. You might be in one right now, but it doesn't matter because he's not going to abdicate his place on the throne. He's still on the throne. He's still ruling and reigning in righteousness. He's called you. Amen. I said he's called you. Look at your neighbor and point up and say, Jesus has called you. He's got a purpose for you. He's put his DNA on you. He's stamped a purpose and destiny that nobody can take away from you. There it is. Bring it on up here, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Raise the standard. Raise the standard. Raise the standard. Raise the standard. The church is alive. The church is alive. The church full of power. The church is alive. Jesus, we praise you. Hallelujah. Jesus. Yes. 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 Hallelujah. Father, we stand on your word. Oh, Shikarabasatala. Morikiriarabasata. Mighty God, mighty God, for such an hour as this. We hear you, Holy Spirit. We hear you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> And we cry, we cry out to you. Holy Ghost, rend our hearts. God, we come to your throne, we're broken. There's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do. We are dependent upon you, oh God. Who will raise the standard? I will. I will. If that's you, just say, I will. I will. Yes, Lord.
Jesus. We lift our nation before you even now. We raise our hands against the storm. We command the storm to move back. Father, I prayed for months. Expose corruption. Expose corruption. to the highest levels. Your word has gone forth and your word will not return void. Your word is true. Your word, your word, your word. You said if my people will do this, we are crying out. There are bodies of believers around this nation who are crying out interceding before the throne. God, remove the devourer. Cause the heart of the church to be broken. For if we do not repent, if we do not turn to you, if we do not come after you, We want to see your 
against it you don't need to call 40 other people to stand against it the anointing that breaks the yoke the Holy Ghost lives within each believer and you will never become strong leaning on someone else's anointing Look, in the early part of your walk with God, I understand that. But at some point, you have to take a stand. And then your faith begins to build. And every time you do, your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And that also comes about by prayer and by times of fasting. So if you're in the midst of a storm, don't rely on someone else to stand against it. You stand against it. The second thing I felt the Holy Spirit say, there's some people that you know who are in those other small boats, but you've tried to tell them. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, they tried to correct but their attitude was not right when they spoke those words of correction and now they won't listen to them you've lost your influence and I know it's going to sound counterintuitive but if the Holy Spirit brings it to mind of someone that you've tried to correct in the past you've tried to point out what God's Word says but your attitude was wrong God said you've lost your influence because of your attitude and I heard him say tell them to go and ask 
for their forgiveness. Don't justify. Just go and say, I realize in the past, I've, I've told you the things that God's word says, but the Holy Spirit convicted me that my attitude in the way I said it was wrong. And I ask you to forgive me for the way in which I conveyed it. Now you're sitting there probably thinking, yeah, but then they're gonna think what their attitude is right. You leave that to the Holy Ghost. The words that went forth have, have fallen on shallow ground because of the attitude in which you sowed it. When you ask for their forgiveness, those words are still there. Those words have not gone away. But now the Holy Ghost can drill down into the very recesses of their hearts, in the back corner of their minds. And that word, that word will go forth with power. God said, he said, remember, he said, "You will, I will give you the words and they will have anointing to, for judgment. In other words, they will have anointing that will cause people to make a choice and their choice will bring about judgment. God said, go and preach. Those who receive shall be forgiven and those who do not receive shall be damned. It's not that they receive an order of damnation upon their life, but in rejecting Christ, they are already damned. He said, but in receiving Christ, they receive life. Those words are words of judgment, not judgment against them, but they're words that bring judgment. And so God said, if you've sown wrongfully, you've spoken with harshness, your attitude was condescending in, in your way. In other words, you had a righteous attitude looking down on them. God said, your words have fallen without any power. Go and ask for forgiveness. And you don't justify it. You just say, I ask for forgiveness. If that person opens the door and receives it, you'll have an opportunity right then to minister. But if they don't, don't you worry about God. God's got it then. I said, he'll bring those words back. He'll bring it back to them in the nighttime. He'll bring it back to them in different things that take place. And then they're gonna begin thinking about it. And when they start thinking about it, how many of you have ever gotten a song in your head you can't get out of your head? Or a jingle from a commercial? And you're like, oh, make that thing go away. Like there's certain songs from certain Christmas movies. Don't, don't play those around me because then I hear that song for a week and I can't get it out of my head. The Holy Spirit will do that. He'll take the word and just keep pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. And all the while, you just walk away giving glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of you think that sounds like a plan? That sounds like a plan God would do. Hallelujah. Always are higher than mine. Washed away every stain, Lord. No greater love than the blood of the Lord. Jesus be glorified Your ways are higher than mine Wash away every stain, Lord No greater love than the blood, Lord Jesus be glorified Your ways are higher than mine Wash away every stain, Lord No greater love, sweet and blood, Lord It's Jesus 
magnified Your ways are higher than mine Wash away every stain No greater love than the blood of love Jesus be glorified Your ways are higher than mine Washed away every stain Lord No greater love than the blood of Lord Cause Jesus be glorified Your ways are higher than mine Washed away every stain Lord No greater love than the blood of Lord Jesus be glorified Your ways are higher than mine Wash away every stain, Lord No greater love than the blood, Lord
Jesus, we know we're far. No ways are higher than mine. Wash away every stain of greater love in the blood, Lord. Jesus, be glorified. Your ways are higher than mine. Wash away every stain, Lord. The greater love in the blood, Lord. Jesus, be glorified. Your ways are higher than mine. Wash away every stain, Lord. Your greater love in the blood, Lord. Jesus, be glorified. Your ways are higher than mine. Wash away every stain, Lord. Your greater love in the blood, Lord. Jesus, be glorified. Your ways are higher than mine. Wash away every stain. No greater love in the blood, Lord. Your ways are higher than mine. Be glorified. You see all things. Be glorified. We lift you up. Every place, your kingdom reigns. 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 No matter what you're going through, remember that His kingdom reigns. Your kingdom reigns. Your kingdom reigns. Your kingdom reigns. Your
this morning as we go out of this place as we go out of those doors God we don't want to leave your presence on this side of those doors God but we want to walk in your presence we want to walk in your spirit we want to be led by you in every step we take as we raise a standard as pastor was preaching as we raise a standard in our workplace as we raise a standard in our schools in our in our homes we can't do it if we leave your presence in this place we can't do it if we walk away from your presence we can't do it if we try to do it in our own strength in our own minds but we need your presence to walk every step with us God, we walk with you. You lead on. Jesus, lead on. And we will follow. Because oh, yeah. your presence is an open door. So good you, Lord, like never before. Because your presence is an open door so come now Lord like never before Amen, Amen Let's raise a standard wherever you're at this week don't forget to raise a standard and be the beacon of light be Jesus to every person you see let them see God shining through you let them see a difference in your life compared to the people in the world. Because if you look like everybody else, then where's their hope? Why would they want to change? In Jesus' name, go in peace. God, I just bless every person in this place. I pray, Father God, that you would walk with them, that you would talk with them, that you would shine your face on them, then give them favor with every person that they meet. Give them strength. Let your Holy Spirit speak through them. God, even in the grocery stores and wherever they're at, Lord, and you just speak to them and give them the words to say. And maybe they've never done it before, but maybe, God, did you give them words to say to somebody they don't even know? And then they would speak into that person's life. And that would be the thing that breaks the walls and breaks the chains in that person's life. Maybe they was waiting for somebody to tell them about the good news of the gospel. Maybe they was waiting on somebody to tell them where they can find hope, where they can find peace, where they can find love. Give us the strength, give us the courage, and give us the words to say to this lost and dying world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Go in peace and the love of God. Amen.